I'm going to be sharing from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15, and uh, part of um, part of the way through chapter 15. And these are the the last the last, some of the last words of Jesus before the cross. And I think these final things are like they're it's culminations. It's like gathering all those things together. It's these last things that Jesus is sharing with his disciples before the crucifixion, before before all of the before all of the chaos that's going to come with the crucifixion. Before all of the before all of the wonder of what's going to happen, and and knowing that their faith is going to be put to a great test in this process, because they've been told, Jesus has told them all along these these things are going to happen. He keeps giving hints, he keeps telling them things about what's about to take place, and they have a lot of questions. So you'll hear, we'll hear in here some of these really important parts of what he wants them to understand going in to what's about to come, which will be in one moment chaotic, and then in the next unbelievably euphoric, because the crucifixion's going to do that for them. They just don't know that yet, that 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 the crucifixion is going to be this, followed by this amazing and he's alive again moment, the resurrection, but then also is going to be the ascension, and he's going to leave them. So he's the, when you see, when we go through these over the next little while, we're going to see him just repeating and repeating things over and over again, and when... When Jesus repeats things, they're important, and we need to take hold of them. So, if you don't mind, stand with me just for the reading of God's Word. And I'll start John chapter 14, verse 15. Then Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? 
Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Then 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit." And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And may your word, by your Holy Spirit, do the real work, the real speaking to our hearts and minds today. May you receive the glory because it is your word. And I know that your word won't come back void. And so I pray, quicken our ears and our hearts to hear. Lord, would you speak to us by your word, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to hear the words of Christ and to follow what he says in his name. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. So there is, there is an, an if-then. So if I titled this anything, this message would be if-then. Um, we should be familiar with the biblical if-then statements. That, shouldn't be, that should be sort of a, uh, a somewhat a normal understanding for us, a biblical if-then statement. Second Chronicles 7.14 one of the most famous if-then statements in Scripture. If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If then, if my people... Then I. Now that's a famous, famous if then. There, there's an infamous if then that's not too far after that. Second Chronicles seven nineteen through twenty two. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship then them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you. And this house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among the peoples. And at this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, Because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt... And laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. So we have, if then. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, then I will answer, then I will heal. And that's a beautiful picture. If my people, 
basically paraphrase, if my people won't, if they won't, if they'll turn after other gods, if they go after things and dishonor my name in front of all the world, then disaster will come and they'll be left a, a byword. That, that being called a byword, that's, that's no small thing. You're like, oh, do you remember, you know, that one guy that he did that thing, right? You remember that guy who did that thing? And you're like, uh, kind of, what was that name again? What was that name? He did something really stupid and then messed that all up, right? Yeah, I, okay. Nobody wants to be that byword. Nobody wants to be that, nobody wants to be that forgotten thing. Now, Brother Brian, you brought that up in talking about they'll be digging through your stuff and finding things and like, whoa, okay. That that was so great that did so many good things and then, and then there was all this hidden stuff and then there was all this other things that come out and you're like, oh my word, what, what happened? And what was... I'm not going to deny a great ministry that worked in a lot of people's lives was suddenly just just pushed off to the margins someplace. And then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, and went after other things. They disobeyed. They went after something else besides what they knew up here, what they knew was right and true and pursued others besides me, besides my ways, then all of that will be pushed off to the side. They will say, it's like this because they abandoned the Lord. So, with those two if-thens in mind, we're going to come back to some of the things that that Jesus is saying to his disciples. I'm going to go back to it's uh, John 14, 15 through 17. And I'm just going to pull out just a few of these pieces to look at them, maybe just close examination somewhat. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. If you love me, then you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. So this if-then isn't just like, if, if you do this, then this one thing. But God multiplies what He's going to do. If you love me, then you will obey what I said. You will do what I commanded. And I will ask the Father. And He will give you another helper profound when you understand what the helper, who, not what, but who the helper is. 
John 14, 21. Now, this is not so much of an if-then obvious statement, but it's a very conditional, just the same. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. When you mentioned Ravi, so many things about what was uncovered jumped out. I know with Ravi there was a great intellect, huge intellect. Um, I listened to him and studied books. I, I, would, I would read his books with a book here and a dictionary here, going, okay, what does that word mean? In context, I, I'm guessing, okay, it means, you know, and back and forth with trying to understand this great intellect. So he had them. But then you see out in the living, when you know the story and, and don't you don't need to dig, it's just know it's it was bad. Just know it was bad. There was it was just bad things. Just trust me. Don't don't dig. Not necessary. I mean, if you want to be depressed, go ahead and dig around in some of those things. But having is one thing, and, and keeping is another. Right? And, and so Jesus is saying that whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So, if someone says, oh, I love Jesus, but they don't do what he said, what's obvious, what he taught, which was plainly, as we can see, if you dig around in what Jesus taught and where he taught it from, he was teaching Scripture that we have in front of us, that we can read, that we can see. He was teaching those things. But if they say, I... I love Jesus, and they don't do what Jesus said. That proves they really don't love Jesus. Am I right? I mean, just kind of drawing some logical conclusions from what the Word says. So, if you say you love Him, but you don't do what He said, your love is not real love. Your love for Him is imaginary. Or you're imagining or you're loving a Jesus of your own making. A more convenient Jesus, right? One who won't really get in your face about things. One who won't challenge you when you err from His Word. One, one that won't get after you when you've stepped out of line with what it means to truly love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the Jesus you made. One that doesn't go that route. He's the convenient Jesus. He's the soft Jesus. He's the, he's the quiet Jesus who won't say anything about anything that you do and just let it go because His grace covers everything, right? His grace is bottomless, so just do whatever you want to, right? Uh, 
that that's the Jesus of someone's imagination. But whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So if you want to, if we say, I want to experience Jesus, I want to know him at a deeper level. I, I want to know Jesus. And I, I hear these words said. To experience Jesus, obey what he said. You know what I'm saying? It's not just some mystical, oh, I've got to get this deeper space and have these certain forms and figures and activities that I do that will, you know, get me in a space that I'm closer and, and there's, there's things and I'll, I can rabbit trail and I won't. Um, you want to experience Jesus? Just obey what he said. It really is... It really, it really runs in that simple a line because he said so. He who loves me will love my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now that's super powerful. Not, not Jesus somewhere off in the distance. Not God, the, the, what, what do we heard said, the big man upstairs. Somewhere far off. Because to those who don't know him, that's where he is. The big guy up there, you know, with a, a glance to the sky. But if we know Him, and, and we love Him, which is proved by our just obeying what He said, He said, if anyone, He will keep my word, and my Father will love Him, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. God with us. God in us, the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. John 14, 25-26. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. So he's telling these things about, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, You'll obey me. If you'll love me, you'll obey me. So many things run through my head, and I just got to stop and go back here. If you love me, you'll obey me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. When he talked about him coming to us, but the helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The purpose of the Helper. The primary purpose that Jesus says for the Holy Spirit coming is to remind us of what Jesus said so that we know what we're to obey. That is the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. To keep reminding us. So, obey what Jesus said and what He taught. Obey that. That is love. That is an expression of love. I love you. I will obey what you say. And in obeying what He says... Then he says, then I will be with you. We will come to you and make our home with you. I will send you a helper who will be with you and remind you of what I said so you don't have questions about what it is you're supposed to obey. So you won't get lost and say, well, now what was that that Jesus said? Oh, I... I got these words. No, it's, it's even deeper than just... It is bringing to bear the words that Jesus said that stirs in us what's called conviction. When you know this way that I want to go for whatever reason and this way that Jesus said to go are different things. And I know I have to turn from this one and go toward the one that Jesus said. And those are those, that's that conviction, that reminder is like, no, this is not, this is not the way to go. Y'all, I hope understand what I'm saying, right? Like you've been in those places. I know you have at some point. And if you're not, you will be in those places where you're in a situation and it's just out there in the world doing something. And People around you will tempt you to, for example, lie about something so that you don't get in trouble. Lie about something so your company doesn't get in trouble. Lie about something so your friends don't get in trouble. So lie about it. Just just flat out lie about it. Believer, the Holy Spirit will go, nope. Not what Jesus taught. And then it'll become very clear what choices need to be made. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll make the right choices. But I I know that it also means that the Holy Spirit will be going all the while. I I would do this, maybe it did. Right? Like Operation. Ever play Operation? Where you've got you've to get down and just get this something out of a really sticky situation. And you've got to be really careful to not touch the sides. Because I don't care how many times you've played that game. And if you know what the sound is, as soon as you bump into that little metal piece on the side, and it goes, Ehh! and the nose lights up red. People who don't have any idea what I'm talking about, somewhere in the world maybe, don't know Operation. I, I see smiles. This crowd knows Operation. Okay, we're good. Doesn't know how many, how many times that happens. It startles me every time. 
It doesn't matter. And I pray that I'm startled every time that, that I'm, uh, this is a sticky situation here. I have expectations of other people. I, I have these things that are around me. People want to see me do this, and, and some want to see me do that. You know, go one direction, others like, well, take, you know, bend it this way. And maybe it's not really a lie, and I'm just picking lies because I, just, I grabbed it. So it's not really a lie to say this, but you could say it the other way, and it's a, a less offensive lie. And you're trying to go, I, what, what do I do to get, you know, and I start to go this way, I start to lean toward, let's, let's go the softer approach, maybe let's just try the, okay, this is not too offensive a lie, maybe it's a little white lie, well, I don't care what color it is, it's a lie, it just is a lie, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean that direction and, okay, that's the Holy Spirit going, no, just stop, what, stop. What did Jesus say? You know, what do you talk about the truth? Set you free. Do you have to do you have to yell and scream and I'm telling the truth because Jesus told me to, and these guys are lying to you, and I think you should quit our company. Well, maybe you might have to do that. I don't know. But but trusting the Lord to lead you through those steps is like keeps you. Like, yeah, I, I understand this is a tense situation. I understand this is trying. I understand this is challenging. But I know what I must do. So if i got to walk this slowly into that spot, there's nothing that says, do it now, do it now. I'm going to go for the truth. Because I don't want to be a byword. L- like Second Chronicles 7 in the 19 range instead of the 14 range. I don't want to be a byword. I don't want to get to that place. You remember that guy who was kind of a preacher or a, I was, think he was a Christian of some sort? Remember, yeah, what was his name? I don't know. Is he, yeah, he really blew it with that one. You know, he really put his foot in it back here and did that thing. And he said this and wow. What was that name again? Not that our name is the n- notoriety, but it's remember that Christian guy, that Christian gal that did that thing? What was her name? Well, whose name has been drugged through the mud? Whose name has been made to sound unlike Jesus? Yeah, his name. His name's been made to look like that. John 14, 30 and 31. Just to drive the point home with them, and not just for an example's sake, but it's truly who Jesus is really was, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. The ruler of this world is coming. Now, this is really important, and this is just kind of like, kind of stick this up on a wall someplace else to be talked about, but he said, he has no claim on me. He has no claim on me. Someone say, well, you know, given the devil his due, he's due nothing. The devil was owed nothing in what Christ did. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me. Why? 
so that the world may know that I love the Father. Just to drive the point home, Jesus emphasizes the connection of obedience to love in the work that he's about to do on the cross. He is doing it not because it's just necessary, and it was. For us, it was necessary. But he's not doing it because it was necessary. He's doing it because the Father said to go and get on that cross. The Father said to go. And that you would know that I love the Father. I am obeying what He said. Even if it costs me, and it will cost Him, everything that the world could look at and see. His very life. And there was shame that went into that. There was so much more that we just kind of skip across. But there was so much that he lived real time in that going to the cross. There was so much that he faced real time. Anyway, I, I know I could talk more about that, but I, not today. Then, John 15, he goes on, and we'll talk more about John 15 probably next, next week. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. If you, just as I, keep His commandments, you will abide. And we'll dig more into what that abiding is um, next week too. But I want to just I want to really home in on these pieces today. I feel like this is the I was sense that this is what is the better for today. John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment. So you want to know what the commandments are, or or at least some. One. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now he says after, I don't, it's not going to be up there, but greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And he's talking to them. It's like, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And what love is he getting ready to extend to them? He's giving up his life. He's giving up his life for them. And I know it would be easy to parallel things and say, well, giving up your life might mean, you know, kind of just giving up your desires and goals and dreams to, you know, for the sake of somebody else. And there could be, there is some sacrifice in that. There really is. You know, put myself aside. I want, I want, I want, and focus on somebody else. And that's there. But he's talking about what he's getting ready to do. And they're going to know that, that, that that sense of loving one another goes, goes to that depth. It's not just shallow. I want to give up my dreams so you can fulfill yours. They gave up his. He was, he was in love, giving up his life for people who would spit in his face 
He was giving up his, and, I, and, and, and if you're thinking I'm just talking about the world, no, I'm talking about me. I'm talking probably about you. I promise you there was a time in your life where Jesus was kind of like, whatever. You may not have been vile about it or violent about it, but you were whatever. He was, okay, sure, you're Jesus. And I know, I know, yeah, love God and Jesus and the cross and blah, 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 and whatever, spitting in his face, essentially. We all, we, we were there. And then 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This draws us, these things that Jesus is saying here, they draw us out of us and into Him, obeying Him, and loving Him by that, and others. Do you hear that connection? It draws us out of us and into Him and others. And I hear in that, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So I say this. So child of God, be a child of God. Obey Him as an act of love. Once you were an orphan, Now you are a son, a daughter. Live like it. Live like it. In Christ, you are no longer faithless, hopeless, powerless, or godless. So stop living like it. And don't live like it anymore. There is no reason for us to cower in this world. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is no reason to hide from anyone or anything or any subject. Because He is Lord, now and forever. We might hear someone say that we lose down here, so just suck it up, buttercup, and hope for the best. But it's not about us. If we think like that, we're thinking about us, but I want to win. Of course, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win everything. But the winning is not about us. It's about Him. He is King of kings and Lord of lords forever. And there's no reason for us to shy back from that. There's no reason for us to shy back from the gospel and proclaiming it boldly, sometimes loudly, But boldly, there's no reason to shy back from proclaiming the gospel of Christ. No matter what the winds of this world blow like, we belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
He is on our side. We have nothing to fear. What can man do to you? What can man do to me? Oh, he could fire me and I don't have a job. Oh my word, does God not have enough? I mean, really? Did I get me that job or did I get me this family or, or all these things? Or did God not be the wasn't he the one who gives good gifts? Right? Is he not the one who gives good gives good gifts? Of course he is. So then why am I worried what man could do to me? There's nothing that anyone could do to any of us that God can't double down and, and just cover that all up. As in, it'd be like, do you, I remember a bad thing happened one time and some guy did something and I can't even pick the name out. And I kind of like, I, I just know it was bad. But God has done so much to, to grow my faith in Him, to mature me in understanding of His Word and just grow me in faith to be able to have answers for so many things because of that situation that some, some nameless person somewhere did or said or that job I lost or whatever, because not because I was obnoxious, but because I was just living and, and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Just like right there. And they said, you know what? You just don't fit here anymore. You just don't fit here anymore. All this gospel stuff, I mean, I mean, look around you. It's obvious no one cares about that. So, like, we just can't have you here lousing up the, the circumstances. And it's like, well, like, apparently my work here's done. And the conviction didn't produce anything for you. But it will be something to remind you that you turned away from the gospel. And at the end, you're going to have to answer for that. And then, God, I know you got something better, you know, or, or just something else. And that's better. Okay. Set your mind and keep resetting it. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, chapter 1, or chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm probably just going to, just, just these few verses for time. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The power to live is brought to you by the Holy Spirit. Avail yourself of that power by the obedience of putting off and putting on. And, and if you go further into Colossians, and, and I know I could elaborate on that, but I won't, but you'll see, put off, put off, put off the old ways. Put off the sexual misconduct of all kinds. Put off lying. Put off, put off all of these things that you once did when you were 
away from loving Jesus and living in disobedience, put away, put off all these things and put on Christ. Put on the good things. Put on obedience to Him. Put those things on. Avail yourself of the power of the Holy Spirit by obedience, the obedience of putting off and putting on. The power to live is brought to you by the Holy Spirit. And live we must. Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, rightly, our citizenship is in heaven. But he doesn't mean we're tourists. He doesn't mean we're tourists. We live here. We live here. And we don't just live here. We are ambassadors of His kingdom. We are to be a part of of bringing His kingdom. He has chosen to use us to bring His kingdom and His rule to active realization on this earth. To bring that to bear in every circumstance we find ourselves in. If we believe He is King of kings and Lord of lords, it's not just in our sweet little old heart down inside here someplace where I just know Him and He is there and I take Him out and look at Him every once in a while and go, I just love Jesus and He's so great. And I put Him right back in there again. That is not... We, we are ambassadors of a kingdom and His kingdom will be made known. There are scriptures and I... We'll get there. We'll get there. We are to bring His kingdom and rule to active realization in this world and... Just so no one thinks, oh, you're a Christian nationalist. (laughs) I'm a Christian that believes, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, earth as in heaven. And everywhere that I go, and everything that I do, and it should be all of us, that we are the light, not of some philosophy or ideology, we're the light of the world, and we are the light because Christ has lit us up. He has lit us up. And you were, you know, hiding under the bushel? No? Right? You were talking about that earlier. It's like, we are to be the light of the world. It's like, you can't help the, the fire of God in us by the Holy Spirit. He's living in you. Right? He's living. I will, he will make his home with us. When you draw some connection to where he did that before in a tabernacle in the wilderness and there was fire and it was obvious. It was a cloud by day and a fire by night and when the Lord you know, descended into the temple it was a spectacle. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are we not to be a spectacle Spectacle on this earth. And I don't mean doing ridiculous things, but, but being a light to show people. It's like, I don't know what it is about you. I don't, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something about you that's just different. And I can't put my finger on it. You don't talk like the rest of everybody else. 
You don't act like everybody else. Are you religious or something? Are you in some sort of cult or something? N- no. Like, I'm not trying. <laughs> you know, I'm not going, light. It exists, it's going to shine up because he does that. And it's opportunity to say, well, I'm going to tell you why. It's because of Christ. It's because of, let me, you, let me tell you about the gospel. You, you ever heard of the gospel? Doors open. In closing, the gospel is confrontational. It's confrontational. All by itself. No extra sauce needed. Like We don't have to add anything to it. It's confrontational by itself. It exposes our sin, and it did that for us who have received it. It exposes our sin at its core and makes us uncomfortable with it. And here is, in that confrontation, here is its kindness. Here is the kindness of the gospel, even in that confrontation. It leads us to repentance, which takes us to redemption and restoration. Therein is the kindness of God. that He, he, just, he leads us to repentance. and doesn't just leave us there at the door, but He takes us to redemption. He can redeem a life misspent. He can redeem a mind misspent. And He can restore it and make it good like His original creation was good. He can do that. Therein is the kindness of this confrontational gospel. Which brings us to this point. The kindness of God is confrontational. He does not overlook the disobedience of His children. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't overlook the disobedience of His children. He knows why you did it, and He knows what or whom you're going to blame for it. He knows why you did it, and he knows what or whom you're going to blame for it. His kindness does that. His kindness takes away our excuses and gives us solutions. It doesn't leave us just to bear that. I'm taking away all your excuses. You're just going to sit in it. Sit in your shame and sit in the, your failures and sit in those things. No. He does not leave that redemption and restoration works like this. Figuratively, he gives you a diet. What to take in. We hinted at it and put off this and put on that. Put on Christ. Put on these good works. Put on these things. He gives you a diet. The Word. He's got his rich. I mean, this is rich. There's so much, you know, we talk about protein. There's so much meat in here. You could, you could, you could never run out of, of the store of what is rich for your soul. 
He gives us a diet, and He gives us exercise. He gives us the things to have, and He gives us the things to do to move the muscles and make it happen. Figuratively saying this, He gives you the diet, and He gives you exercise, and He gives you supplements. And I know that what I do and what Pastor Randy does and what others do and other preachers, that there are good preachers to listen to, there are good voices out there. Be discerning. Um, just be discerning because it becomes sadder every day when leaders blunder. But he gives us good supplements, good preachers of the word that hold steadfast to it and are also obviously can say they're flawed and repent. And he also gives us a trainer, which is his helper, who's going to be right there. No, no, no. You got one more in you. If any of you have ever been in any kind of anything, I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's, you know, you're, you're training for some kind of sport or something, or, or you're going through some kind of physical therapy where they're trying to work out these kinks, things that, that, that got broken, need to move right, that they, you, come on, you got get one more, one more. Just push that, push that a little bit farther. Stretch that a little bit farther. Move that a little bit more. Yeah, I know you're tired, and I know it's hard, and I know there are things all around you that are just vying for your attention, and you'd rather go sit on the couch, but just give me, just give me one more. Stretch that leg out one more because I don't want you to hobble around. I want you to walk. That's what our trainer, the Holy Spirit, does. God does not want us hobbling around. And I don't mean that in some literal sense. No, I mean He doesn't want us hobbling around in our faith and just barely squeaking by. He wants us to be walking it. He wants us to be walking it out. He wants to give us strength to walk it out. Because that brings glory to His name. When His kids do what He says and name His name, if the world hates it, that doesn't bother Him at all. That doesn't bother Him. They will hate. They will hate. Uh, We did too. When His kindness moves and He begins to change people's lives, He gets the glory when we're the ones who are walking out that walk in front of people and we were being led to stretch a little bit farther, push yourself just a little bit farther, make a little bit more bold statement of your faith, step out a little bit more and say, okay, you know what, guys? This isn't right. This, this, uh, I know figuratively or literally that this company's got a way that it's going to go. And I, and I see that, and I understand business. But I know I just can't, I, I can't go along. I mean, the Scripture just kind of says that this is cheating or, or this is manipulating people, and I just I can't do that. Like, I just can't go on. I think we need to take a different route. And even if that route means, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and do this thing, I guess you're going to have to take a different route. Okay. 
but he is about building our strength to be glorifying to him that we are changed and made more in the likeness of Christ and less in the likeness of our former self, which was all about the world and all about the flesh and all about the devil. So, my prayer, I know we'll, we'll, dig, more into, we'll dig more into it uh, next week. But let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and your work among us because I know that you do things bigger than, than I can, bigger than unfathomable, more than I could imagine or ask or think you do things in your kids. You open blind eyes to see you change hearts and you change minds and you change you bring things that we can't even imagine to bear from a storehouse that is yours that is just has no limits so help us to avail ourselves of those riches of that goodness that is bigger than stuff bigger than stuff Lord, may our hearts rejoice in your word and in your ways, in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.